Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, uh, back doing a live interview today. It's always fun to uh, be able to sit down across the table from my guest. It's definitely that personal connection I think that we've all been missing, you know, uh, during the pandemic. But uh, so today I've got uh, Nick Coconus on the show. He is a co-founder of Aviary and uh, uh, <laughs> Alinea. No, no, no. Different Nick Coconus, but I figured we would just mention that right off the bat because four people have no idea <laughs> that you are a different person. Uh, absolutely. Same name and same city. But Yeah, uh, that's wild. You know, it's... Uh, we emailed back and forth a while ago. I've never actually met him uh, in person, but I mean, we've worked for all the, you know, a lot of the, with a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, I always tell everybody it's uh, really easy getting reservations oh, uh, yeah. anywhere I want. Oh, I've I had, can imagine. I've had, I've had custom menus laid out and like, really, you know, yeah, like my name in it, like welcome and all of this stuff. Does and, anybody ever like think that you were just like scamming him when you show up and you're like, yeah, I'm Nick Okonos. They're like, no, you're not. I know what he looks like. Yeah. Um, it feels like that, but you know, uh, whenever we, you know, we go, we bring a bottle of uh, bottle of something for the kitchen and uh, a, a case of beer. So yeah. it's like, hey, you know, so you, we, it's not uh, who we thought it was, but yeah. that's all right. He's a um, nice guy anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. I mean, I don't know how common Coconus is in Greece, um, but you know, it's, it's it's rare. Yeah, we figured out we're probably like third cousins or something like that. Really? Like, yeah. His, okay. I think it was his grandparents or great grandparents and my great grandparents were from the same area oh, of okay. Greece. Well, that's so, kind of cool. Yeah. Somehow like, both settled right. in Chicago. I mean, I guess that's not super rare. Third largest city in the country. So, uh, you, you know, know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just the, it's a weird, uh, Weird commonality, yeah. but yeah. So to be clear, this is not the Nick Coconuts from yes. Millennia. Uh, this is the Nick Coconuts that just dropped a new book called Something at Tonic. Um, also got a pretty cool background in Chicago. So welcome to the show, man. I mean, uh, thanks, man. I'm uh, excited to be here. Putting on uh, your your different Nick Coconuts shoes. You yeah, know, switch. Uh, you know. <laughs> right. Um, um, yeah, man. So uh, you know, we just dropped the book, but where are you uh, where are you working now? And kind of where, where, how did you get into the industry? So uh, I'm working at a place in Chicago called Avondale Bull. Um, it's a vintage bowling alley, uh, originally built out in the fifties and, uh, it's on the second floor of a building. Uh, they closed down in the nineties, um, and sat dormant for like 20 ish years. Wow. Um, and a couple of friends of mine had some friends that found it and it was like, um, turned on the machines. They all worked. So it's all the original, uh, lanes and machines. Um, and basically they, you know, they had to take, you know, uh, renovate the everything else yeah, um yeah. so but it's still hand scoring um you know we've got that's a great. got a nice you know nice program going um that's been my of, like fantasy there's a there's a well there was until last year there was a bowling alley that went out of business about a decade and a half ago down the street from here nice and i just eyeballed it every day when i left and went home to work from work i just was like man it's sitting vacant it was like 10 lanes i was like you know just redo that craft beer craft cocktails that would be kick-ass but yeah somebody ended up buying it and, and converting it over to a different kind of bar. But I was like, it's yeah. just this weird, stupid fantasy. I, I doubt that I would never make any money doing it, but it just seems like it would be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's cool working in, I mean, just working in a bowling alley, you've got, right. you've got that, like, you know, we've got the craft cocktail, you know, program and, you know, good beers and all that. We're all pretty much, uh, everybody that works there, um, we worked at Longman and Eagle together. For, oh, right on. Okay. You know, uh, I was there for five years. Uh, oh, really? My buddy that manages it, um, you know. Well, I had to have run across like, you at some point up there. I just, I didn't realize that you were at Longman. Because, I mean, for a long time, that was pretty much <laughs> the place to go if it, you were in Logan Square. I yes. Mean, you know, and you uh, just have to get off the L and you're right there. Yeah, you're right there. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a, a great place to work. It, I mean, we had a, had a blast uh, every night just, you know, uh, Back, back when it was like, you know, Michelin starred. So, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. For, for a couple that of years, it was years. like, you know, slinging badass food, you know, uh, no reservations. So we'd be on, you know, four yeah. or five hour wait yeah, by, uh, man. by six o'clock. And, you know. Uh, the, yeah, we'd always end up there at like last call because it was just so difficult to get in. So a lot of times we would just like kind of walk down to you show and eat. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Love that place. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know grab a bite and kill the time on the wait list and then come back late. Exactly. You know? uh, I miss you. I miss uh you show so bad, but it like all so those, good. they would close, you know, they would close you show and like all those guys would immediately come to Longman and hang out. So, you know, we'd be drinking till, I mean, <laughs> drinking like, till last call. Arguably then, one of the, one of the earliest kind of like hipster farm to table craft beer, not craft beer, craft uh, cocktail bars. I mean, it kind of had that, 
old west bit of vibe to it but uh you know and the the giant whiskey selection and all that that's why i haven't been there in a while last time i was there we dropped way too much money on some pappy just for the hell of it and it yeah, was just like, i mean the, was se- the selection is pretty fabulous it's and, insane but I, mean, I haven't been there in years now um yeah they, i mean well, i mean i guess just, nobody's been out yeah. for years now <laughs> I, I keep forgetting this is almost 2022 I, yeah uh i keep i keep calling last year uh 2019 i know like, yeah, yeah back last year in 2019 it's like what the hell where where have we been what have we been doing <laughs> i know i saw that on twitter like earlier in the week it said something like you know it was like all you guys are out there complaining about 2020 but don't realize it's almost 2022 yeah exactly two uh, months away I can't even. I can't even fathom. It's so it's been, when you left Longman, is that when you ended up at? Uh, at, at what, now, what is the name of the bowling alley? Uh, bowl? Avondale Bowl. Oh, it's Avondale um, Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, very, uh, very original to name it after the. You know. <laughs> is that what <laughs> it was the, called originally? The, no, it was uh, Northwest Bowl. Um, but you know, that's a lot of a lot of those names. You know, especially in Chicago, are like, oh, let's name it after the neighborhood. You know, well, it makes sense that you way. Know. You know where you're going. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can guide your Uber drivers to the right place. Yeah. Um, no. So I. I I worked a couple different places. Um, I had opened up Green River, um, which okay. was the Danny Meyer mm-hmm. and Dead Rabbit collaboration. Yeah. Um, Julia Momose was the the head bartender and um, running the program. And man, that was a that was a beast. That yeah. was I worked there for almost a year. Um, you know, opening that place was oof, like yeah, I bet. ten touch cocktails. Uh, oh, you I'm know, sure. Yeah, thirty two cocktails, ten highballs. You know, two Kleinbelt machines for the ice program. Wow. It was like uh, that was wild. Um, but yeah, I eventually um, and actually a oh, perfect segue. Um, <laughs> uh, went to run a program at a place called the Heritage, uh, which was just outside of Chicago. Um, and that's where pretty much the book started. Really? Um, so I was doing a tasting for the owners. Um, Heritage, unfortunately, uh, was a one that bit the dust because of the pandemic. Victim they just the, like yeah. you know, like like so many uh, places, unfortunately. Right. Um, but when I was doing the tasting for uh, the owners and managers, um, I had had this idea to, um, I had a few tonic cocktails, so I wanted to do like a regular menu and then a tonic menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and what emerged from that was on the regular menu, we put a, uh, something in tonic, which was a weekly rotating cocktail. Oh. So, cool. um, it was great. You know, uh, I had like the first five cocktails, uh, it was like, cool, we're going to roll, roll right through these. And, you know, I'm going to start exploring the, uh, like tonic more because so many people it's like, you got the basics like, yeah, it's got quinine in it. Doesn't that, you know, right. cure malaria. And, um, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to research it and mm-hmm. do it right. And, uh, man, did that open the rabbit hole of me? Yeah. Just like- right. Obviously. Cause we're sitting in front of a hardback copy here and I mean, you've got a whole book dedicated to tonic and strangely enough, this is not our first time on the show talking about tonic. We did have camper English on the show a few years back talking about his, uh, uh, gin and tonic. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, GNT, uh, GNT, AKA WTF. Yeah. 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 It's a lot lot of letters, but I mean, you know, he kind of went down the same path. You know, he got interested in writing about uh, the quinine and historical relevance. And then that took him down a rabbit hole of disease. Yes. Uh, So I I think he mentioned on our last show, I have to go back and listen. Uh, The last time we were together, um, he was kind of going down that for a book, like actually being disease specific rather than cocktail specific this time around. So definitely interesting, but of course that was prior to the pandemic. So who knows? So uh, did that come out around the same time you started working on this book, or what was the timing on that? I'm surely you've read it. I mean, uh, it's yeah, same, I have. Right? Um, no, uh, so I I did uh, stumble across it, and um, yeah, Camper's great. He was like, uh, I sent him a copy of, of the book. It was like, yeah, I saw hey, that, and he was like, he was like, man, I'm. I wish that I would have done this before you. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I love it. Um, so he's, he was super into it. And uh, I was wondering what his feelings uh, were. Cause I mean, it's just a, such a specific niche topic that, you know, but obviously his book is, is much more uh, succinct and it's just kind of, it kind of gets across the point. And like you said, gives you that base historical knowledge of what the quinine was there for malaria, all that. Right. But it doesn't really dive super deep into tonic tonics usage i mean it does touch on those things but it's just, it's a pretty small almost pamphlet yeah you know? i think it's like it's like it's just an e- it's an ebook and i think it's like 70 pages yeah, or so yeah. and, um it, i mean it's good it's 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 humorous and kind of gives you that nice yeah. like uh nice you know base base layer if you will right. um so you know for for mine like as i like i said um you know 
starting to learn and figure out like that. Um, so, well, background quinine uh, comes from Sincona bark, um, which is native to the South American Andes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in its essence, um, the alkaloid quinine and the bark was the only cure for malaria from its, um, we call it in quotes, European discovery. Um, right, right. To, from the European discovery in the early 1600s through World War II, essentially. Um, say European discovery in quotes because uh, the Inca didn't have any written language. Um, and as, you know, disease started rolling in from mm-hmm. Europe, um, it was uh, kind of this area in Peru, um, in uh, Loja, was essentially the, you know, medicinal, um, the native medicinal um, epicenter. Because right. um, you had, you know, lowlands, you've got uh, mm-hmm. the mountains. Oh, so yeah, the geography you had, is all over the place. Yeah, you have such this um, wide, uh, wide berth of um, biodiversity mm-hmm. um, in all these different layers. And so um, more than likely, uh, it was one of the native healers sure. that discovered like, wait, when you have this fever, you know, we'll give you this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Jesuits who were processizing in, um, in Peru picked it up. And that's when. So this all stemmed out of Peru. I guess it, I didn't realize all, that. That's yeah. the info. I haven't had a chance to read this in its um, entirety. Now um, you said you went to Peru um, to do some background. Is, was that for this book that you went, was that prior while you were in the middle of writing it or was that would, the thing that like, lit the fire? Uh, I was in the middle of writing it. So, I mean, what originally lit the fire um, when uh, we did an opening party after the heritage, like three mm-hmm. weeks in uh, and the owner uh, made the offhand comment. He's like, Oh, you know, once we get to, once we get to 52 drinks, um, we'll put the, we'll put out the book. Um, and I took that Literally. Literally. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's a really good idea. Um, I also need to meet with you tomorrow. I'm like, uh, really? Yeah. What are we meeting about? I'm like, well, I just put the 50-second drink on the menu. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I it took me probably three years total, like all in, mm. um, to actually get it written. Um, you know, I had originally um, Phil, you know, um, found a literary agent and, you know, essentially, you know, you write the – the intro and the first, you know, chapter or two and, you know, try to get actually paid to write the book. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's funny you said that because that's what I was thinking. So this, is this your first book? Yes. So is this like been a steep learning curve on like working with publicists and all these agents and stuff? Cause I mean, I'm thinking, sure, we all have ideas for books, but I've seen friends write books and I have no desire to ever go through that process. Um, it's, it was definitely a steep learning curve. Um, so I thought the hardest part was going to be getting a literary agent. Um, and, uh, I lucked out the, I was, uh, for a while, uh, lived in Charleston, South Carolina, oh, cool. uh, and ran a program there, uh, at one of the probably best restaurants Where? there, uh, the grocery. Oh, nice. Um, so, One of my uh, employees next door at the Thai restaurant uh, just moved here right before the pandemic hit from from Charleston. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> probably about. Uh, glad I, glad I wasn't there when the pandemic. Yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, had, that's you know. how he ended up stuck with me because he moved here uh, with a girlfriend. Like right before it hit, we yeah. hired him. Uh, they broke up. He doesn't know anybody else in town. <laughs> and so he didn't really have anywhere else to be or go. So, yeah, he just kind of uh, was like, yeah, I'll stay. So he's been like the one staff member that stayed through the whole thing. Nice. Know? Hey, uh, you know, keep keep them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep staff members uh, as much <laughs> oh as you my can God, right no now. Shit, Holy crap. Right? Um, so you're in South Carolina. So I'm in South Carolina. Uh, and um, there's a woman that comes in and has dinner. Uh, she's a uh, She's a publisher in... Uh, Texas, she was doing a book and trying to get a hold of my friends over that own Highwire Distilling. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I can connect you. And she was like, oh, I heard you're doing a book. I also love your drinks. You should talk to my literary agent uh, back, oh. back in Chicago. And I was like, oh, all right, How this works out yeah. great. Um, so I was with, you know, uh, I kind of took a pause from actually like researching and writing because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you know, like I said, I want to get paid to actually do all this work. Right. Um, and surprisingly, no major publisher picked it up. I was <laughs> like, this sucks. But uh, I was like, I've done too much research. And I think that this is like, mm-hmm. um, it's a really important topic. Um, and something that, again, people don't really know about 
as much about. Um, so did it myself. So I feel like uh, doing the self-publishing th thing uh, is tough. I mean, I, started, sure. I had to start a business, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, I noticed on the back of the book you got Bark to Bottle Publishing. Which, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, got to come up with yeah, no, names I mean, to make it sound. But it's very obvious, you know, that it's that a it's legitimate business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's it, it is amazing that in 2021 and beyond, you know, the, the ability to self-publish is there, which is fantastic. But, you know, there is just so much static out there that, you know, you kind of got to wade through all the bullshit, you know, because yeah. of so many other quote authors making a bad name for the whole industry. And so, and I'm sure that's probably why it's difficult to get published from, you know, major houses as well. You know, there's, and you never know what's going to stick. Right. I mean, Camper, that's a good example. If you look at Camper's Instagram feed or Twitter feed, like every week he posts of like, here's the new cocktail books this week. Yeah. And there's like hundreds, yeah. you know, uh, that's why it was cool when he held your book up like front and center, because like, it's usually like just a stack of yeah, books that he's um, reading, you know? And so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of competition out there to like kind of get, eyes on your writing right um yeah i mean it, it's doing everything from you know the editing process like it, it's like write edit you know uh design you like, edited this yourself uh i had help um uh my original editor was uh the uh, uh she's no longer the uh post and courier uh food critic but hannah raskin um i okay. got when i was in charleston um we became friends, uh, and she helped me out a crap ton. I, um, yeah, editors are definitely underrated. You know, uh, it's yeah. like, because when you write something, I have a journalism background, so it's like when you write something, you become so emotionally invested in it that you believe that every single word is, like, important. Nothing can be removed. It's going to ruin the whole thing. And then you have somebody else's eyes on it, and you're like, oh, no, you don't need this. You've already – you're repeating yourself. Yeah. Or, you know. And so it, it is kind of an invaluable behind-the-scenes position. And that's why I asked, because – I can't imagine editing my own shit because I would just oh, be like, no, I, I, I don't know. Just like the, the podcast, you know, we send this over to our producer, Brad, who's been on the show a couple of times that, yeah, I, I, I could not get this done efficiently. Oh, no way. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you have I a 3000 page when book I, on tonic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of uh, how it went. I was like, oh, I could probably write like an 800 page research, uh, you know, reference <laughs> right. book on this. But, um, yeah, I got those, I got those first edits back and I, I kind of like, I, I just had to sit with it for three days because mm. it was like just pages and pages of red right. and crossed out and like, you don't need this. I was like, and, um, it almost feels like a personal attack, right? Because does. you're like, you spent so you're much like, time and energy and for it to be just swept away with a, with a swipe of red ink, but right. you know, and obviously I mean, everybody's pulling towards the same goal. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, I mean, I've, when you're doing all this research, like I found everything so, enthralling i'm right. like that's amazing everybody mm. has to know about this yeah, uh yeah. and in actuality it's like no they don't like let's let's move on from this we'll and save like, some of that for the revisions yeah exactly <laughs> second um, edition so yeah i mean um that was you know it's it's a daunting task um especially like i'm grammar i'm horrible at it mm. you know it's like mm. i wrote a book but i still can't tell you uh when you should use a colon and a semicolon because <laughs> uh, i have no idea that's like the beauty of yeah, editors. Is oh, like, absolutely. Um, and, you know, uh, went over it with multiple people going through it, you know, getting getting your beta readers to sure. go through it and mm -hmm. edit it mm -hmm. and tell you what they think, um, and, you know, is all. I mean, being self-published, that's, that's a lot to get in, that all in front of everybody. But as far as the writing and research process goes, I mean, I think people assume that to be the easiest part. And I know that I guess it could be depending on your subject, but it's still a lot of... Uh, you know, kind of documentation, talking to people, traveling around, and you're all on your own dime. You yeah. know, I mean, you, there's nobody helping you pay for these things. So what was your research process like? I mean, you know, where did you start? Did you even have a, a starting point? I know you've done stuff at the bar already, but, you know, researching for a menu is different than researching for a book. Um, it was it was a daunting task. I mean, I, uh, you know, I went, went to college for a little bit was as soon as I turned 18 for mm -hmm. English, but, um, I hadn't been really writing and a you lot. you don't know when to use a semicolon. And I don't, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I had gone back to school, but I went to, uh, I went to, uh, Columbia college for jazz performance for drums. Oh, right on. So, um, 
you know, oh, a uh, drummer. Shit, you're the uh, first industry I go know that it's a drummer. Uh, <laughs> like we, Chris and I are always talking. I was like, hell, all of us are bass players. We can never find a band. We have a band of seven bass players. Like, now we've got a rhythm section. Now, got it. Got it. I'm super into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the just for me, it took. I feel like it took so long. You know, the three years because I was really also learning how mm. to really research this, and right. so. Um, there was a, f- there's a few great books that are specifically about, um, Sincona Bark and, and really lay out the history. Um, and I just basically started doing, you know, looking for books, looking for, um, you know, archival documents and stuff like that. Mm. Um, went to the library and, you know, just sitting, uh, on my couch on, you know, on my laptop, just searching and, and going through these, you know, free archives that you have online of like, how do I find this? Right, um, right. you know, I found, uh, I found a great text. That's, uh, an autobiography from, um, one of the explorers, uh, um, Clements, uh, Markham, uh, who was basically trying to smuggle seeds out of, uh, South America so they can start, uh, plantations, uh, in India. And it's his, full account first you know first wow, you know first really? person account um how of, old is that uh that's the late 1800s wow. um yeah so you know being able to the power of the internet being right, able to like right. find that and actually like hear what this was like you know on their tri- you know on their trip and what happened and who was involved um you know finding gems like that you're like holy crap this is awesome um, you know, there's a folks, this is what we call real research, not YouTube <laughs> research. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I really had to, uh, and it's the other thing is like, it's amazing. Um, you know, when I was researching and trying to really figure out like the origin of the gin and tonic, um, which is a chapter in the book, um, mm-hmm. Reaching out to, uh, I reached out to a professor uh, who was like the most esteemed person in the research of uh, the Royal Navy. Um, just sent him an email and mm-hmm. he was like, oh, just check out, you know, check this book out. And it was like, when you're doing these, you know, research projects and stuff like that, like most of the time people are incredibly nice. And if it's a subject that he was like, yeah, like, this is great. Um, I don't know much about it, but you know, he wants to talk about that stuff. It's his entire life. And so, um, you just reach out to people and don't be a dick and ask questions. And, um, they're nine times out of 10, more than happy to tell you everything that you want to know about that subject. Very cool. So especially when you're talking about the kind of topics that we're interested in, you know, because, um, they're very kind of related to the culinary field and, 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 booze everybody's into liquor yeah but you know it's you know it's not an investigative report where you're trying to bust the president for you know breaking into the democratic national headquarters <laughs> i mean you're like hey i want to talk about gin and tonics like okay yeah come on in let's talk about <laughs> it so but i mean you brought up an interesting point you know we've been talking about tonic up to this point and obviously that's um primarily what the book is but um you know gin and tonic that's i think when you hear tonic almost everybody immediately thinks of a gin and tonic um, you know, there's obviously tons and tons of other uses, um, in, in different drinks. And then we talked about, uh, disease control and prevention, um, with the, uh, Chincono bark. But as far as like gin and tonic, did you, were you able to kind of like figure out when, I, I know it's probably not gonna be like in this bar, this guy yeah, came um, up with the seal, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll not talk about the seal, bark. but you know, like, okay. And, 1723 somebody mixed tonic and gin together so uh it was likely uh 1858 so wow um, really that you can nail it that close yeah it's actually uh the the first patent of tonic water um was by uh erasmus bond um on my birthday may 28th uh 1858 um so very shortly after that, um, I found some advertisements that um, I talk about in the book where it's um, they suggest mixing your um, aerated tonic water with uh, French brandy. Um, mm, that would so, make sense for the time. Sure. Yeah. Um, but gin was also huge. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they were going through this like second uh, gin renaissance at the same time um, in the London and the UK. So likely right around there. Um, as far as a lot of people like to, you know, 
or the 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 story has gone for so long that mm-hmm. it was uh, the royal you know the royal navy the uh, they were mixing the gin rations with quinine right. and right. then adding um, but I kind of uh, you know. I lay out sort of the argument of like that's probably impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they definitely added uh, the lime and you know for scurvy prevention and stuff like that. Um, but there's no way that the Royal Navy would be purchasing right. tonic water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the the quinine rations uh, aboard the ships were all done by the the doctors the surgeons mm, on board which would make sense yeah for which sure. so it wasn't like everybody had quinine rations uh it was oh you're going to this place where we know you get these fevers so um it was uh dissolve you know a certain amount in sherry mm. and um even better yeah exactly <laughs> um i mean the 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 connection it's it's always been with wine sherry mm-hmm. uh you know um regularly diluted in alcohol um because the water was not good to drink right, yeah. so um i love yeah. the lore of all of these you know historically you know there's obviously we're looking back a couple hundred years if not more than that depending on where you are in the united states a few hundred years even longer in europe but like the lore behind products that we've consumed you know and how it came to be and of course you know with the kind of cocktail renaissance that we've been going through about 15 last 15 to 16 years we've heard tons of stories right i mean yeah i was joking around but like the seal box that's that's a perfect example of like you know the lore is sometimes way more attractive than the truth and you know i i think they both have their place as long as you're not presenting the lore as fact you know like well it is said that this is what it's, happened but it, you know but yeah when you start piecing together even basic facts like you said you know I mean, we, even when we talk about I'm, I'm rum geek, that's no secret. You know, the pirates, you know, out in the Atlantic, they, I mean, there were some, you know, kind of ransacking those ships, you know, from England and stuff, but it, they were really going after Spanish ships and, and Dutch a lot. And so they weren't right. getting rum off of them. And it's like, I much prefer pirates that drink sherry. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, I think that's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just like, but again, that doesn't help uh, Captain Morgan's advertising campaign. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's it's not there anymore, but, um, you know, um, uh, Plymouth was like the gin of the Royal Navy. It's like mm-hmm. these guys picked up whatever the fuck they could, wherever right, they were. Yeah. Wine, beer, like it didn't matter mm-hmm. if it was rum or, you know, brandy or gin. It's like, yeah, you know. Is it um, alcoholic? <laughs> yeah. Does it have alcohol in it? Done. Like we're we're just, we're going to drink. That's, that's the only thing that they wanted to do. So, um, I mean, I make the argument that especially like gin was mostly uh, for like the officers. And, right, right. Um, and it was really rum that you know with the 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 rum rations. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a good chance that you know there was a lot more rum and tonics that were being mixed mm-hmm. first before gin and tonics. Certainly, um, man. Now, did you run across or um, you know just out of left field? Um, did you have any chats with uh, Matt Petrick at all? Because I know that he's gone deep down some rabbit holes, cocktail wonk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because he's gone down really deep in the last couple of years about um, the you know. Royal Navy and the liquor coming through during those times and like a lot of things like you just said, just don't even make historical sense when it comes to the stories that we've been told for all this time and the rum rations and like you said, the officers and what they were drinking. Yeah. So I didn't didn't know if you guys crossed paths at all during all this or if that was an insignificant part of the book that you just had to not spend five and a half months on, you know, um, uh, we, we had, uh, spoken a little bit. Um, and I, um, I sent him a copy of the book, um, as oh, cool. well. Matt's uh, a friend of the show. We've known yeah. Matt for a long time. Um, I haven't met him, but you know, just, uh, you know, corresponding to him a little bit, um, didn't really get into any like research with him, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, uh, besides me, you know, reading his articles and right. all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he definitely, um, doesn't heavily use an editor. <laughs> Matt yeah. may listen to this. I'm not, I'm just fucking with you, man. But yeah, I mean, some of his reads get really long, but they're written for that. They're written for yeah, us. Exactly. They aren't written for, you know, the kind of layman uh, that's flipping through, uh, you know, the newest full service restaurant magazine, you know, yeah. where it's for the hardcore geeks. And so like, you know, getting all of those kind of measurements and things out, it's pretty cool. And he loves searching archives yeah. and, and, and libraries. And, you know, I love seeing scans of that stuff because uh, I just simply don't have the time to pull out. <laughs> you know, autobiographical information, um, you know, regarding 
you know, smuggling seeds out of South America to India. So, you know, to be able to see those things, somebody scan it in and put it up for me, it's, it's really cool to, to, to do that. Do you have any of your source material? Did you even have rights to, to be able to like kind of accompany the book on an online website or anything or um, still working towards that? I didn't. Um, I kind of, uh, uh, I took a page out of, uh, David Wondrich's, um, punch where he just goes mm -hmm. where his source material is uh google books like, <laughs> right yeah um you know there was there's was so many like little one-off things i mean i have all that stuff like archived you know right. just hundreds of mm -hmm. websites and stuff like that but um you know when you're uh when you're making your own book um every every extra page uh costs sure, more and more yeah, money right so i was like um mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna skip the bibliography but right, um, right, right. there's you know um well, and everything's been written now ad nauseum. So that's why, you know, seeing a, a book that's got a unique niche like this is refreshing because, you know, personally, um, I don't buy cocktail books for the recipes. I want the history. And so, like, when there's a mix in there like that, it's cool because you inevitably want something while you're reading the history. Yeah. You know, you're like, I want to make some one of these old school drinks or this or that. And so it's very cool that you've got your, uh, your own recipes in here. I mean, obviously, you built those out yep. while you were with um, – Heritage, you said? Yes. Uh, so the, were all the drinks from their from your menus while you were there? Um, most of them are, um, you know, going back. And uh, there's also, you know, a couple in there that um, – so I, I basically break down um, the 60 drink recipes uh, into three sections as to how Sincona was used over the time periods. Mm, so um, the first one breaks down um, Sincona bittered liqueurs and Amaros and stuff like that. So I talk about Kogi, I talk about Lillet, um, you know, uh, and do cocktails based on those, Quinoleiro, Dior. Um, so that's sort of the tonic component. Um, and then I go to tonic water um, and there's probably like 20, I think there's it's like 20, 20 and 20. Like, can't even remember. Um, <laughs> right. And then the final one is um, sort of the the modern and future mm. of it, which is tonic syrup. Right. Um, yeah. And using you know using the ingredients beyond just your simple highball and you know um, uh, you know your gin and tonics or rum and tonics. Yeah, we've um, definitely seen a resurgence in that, and maybe I would say maybe about the last five six years. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not. And that behind when you've been behind the bar, but we've definitely seen a lot more kind of craft. Uh, bitters houses and things like that selling the syrup, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, more shelf stable. You don't have to worry about losing the carbonation, but you also like have this wide swath of kind of uh, botanical infusions that you can get and just really have a wild time. And I, I feel like it just kind of coincided with the resurgence, at least in the United States um, with kind of a Spanish style gin and tonic yeah. where, you know, it's like, well, you need to have more to it than just like the garnish or the gin. And so like, I, I really, feel like that's kind of when things started separating off and, and growing our access to all these cool things. But that does bring me to um, a point that Camper um, very often brings up and on Cocktail Safe is that, you know, we've everybody wants to kind of create their own thing, right? Like, you know, like you can't get this anywhere but my bar. But Sincona, it can be a very dangerous thing to make your own house, you know, tonic. Um, you want to talk about that a little um, bit? And, and yeah. Uh, so I, I, I talk about it in, in the book and I don't actually provide any, uh, like make your own tonic syrup recipe, uh, specifically because, um, like any medicine too much turns into a bad thing, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, Synconism is a, a, a byproduct of having too much um, uh, Syncona bark in your diet, um, and it leads to a lot of nasty side effects. Um, so I definitely there's a little yeah. there's a little bold like caution if making your own tonic syrup, <laughs> do your research. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's um, it's regulated on a federal level. So mm -hmm. there's you know, um, there's not enough quinine uh in your tonic to cure malaria anymore right you know? right yeah um it's it's well you hopefully know. when nobody's getting malaria and treating it with quinine anymore you know there's other other methods but um i do always i, I my mind's going all over the place because i love this subject um my favorite story speaking of malaria is that like you know um i believe it was camper said on the show when he talked about his book was you know in the was it I guess early 1900s when people were getting like syphilis. Am I right on that syphilis? Uh, and they didn't really know how to treat that. But if your body temperature got to like 104 or something like that, it would effectively kill the syphilis. 
and they could give you malaria to raise your body temperature up because they knew how to get rid of the malaria. So if you had syphilis, they would like give you malaria and then treat it <laughs> because they knew how to tackle that. And so your temperature would raise up, kill the, kill the it, it may not be yeah. syphilis, whatever it was, but uh, you kill that. And they're like, well, we know how to kill this thing that we just gave you. Yeah. And so I'm just like, that's so insane, but also genius, you know, <laughs> better living through chemistry. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But you know, um, you know, there's a, it gets covered heavily, and a reason I, I'm not trying to like harp on Camper's book because he does right now uh, cocktailsafe.org, and that's kind of become a passion of his that stemmed out of his tonic research as well. Um, but I've, like you mentioned in the first kind of uh, section of the book, where you're talking about the use of some Kona bark in like uh, Amari and, and bittering agents, um, a lot of those other agents also are, are can be quite dangerous and even a trace amounts. So like making things like this at home. Um, is dangerous enough, but you know, providing those to a, a, a customer at your bar, it can get very, very risky. And yeah, I'm, I personally am not one that's going to be a guinea pig when I see like housemade Amari. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know you, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to jump right into this. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, I mean, I, I like to approach cocktails in a you know. Uh, simple way, you know, without all the, the bells and whistles at the end of the day, I just want to make a good cocktail with right. good ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many, so many good ingredients right. out there that, you know, I'll, I'm like, all right, I'm going to use that. I'm, you know, I don't have to spend a, you know, a three day process making right. my own tonic for whatever reason mm-hmm. to just, you know, sound more impressive. Um, well, that's like we said, you know, now you got all these syrups on market. And in addition, like, because of this kind of fun, great time that we're living in as far as craft cocktails. There is an infused everything that you could possibly want. There's a botanical yeah. that you want. If, like, if you can't find it, you're not looking hard enough. Exactly. Because, you know, if, if anybody determines a market for it, they'll just make that product. And so it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, being have having global access to those things, to be able to order those things. You don't yeah. have to make your own tonic at home anymore because somebody out there makes it. Now you yeah. have to mail order. Yeah. But, you know, it's out there. Well, uh, and that's, you know... Um Kind of piggybacking off that, like one thing that I think it's uh, it's a really good time for tonic as well because of the um, you know the spirit free cocktail world that that is you know ever expanding right now. Um, you know you're adding uh, you know with tonic water you're adding flavor, uh, you're adding you know texture, carbonation, dilution. Well, not dilution for <laughs> zero right. proof cocktails, but um, even you know I look at uh, I look at tonic syrups and I'm like it's it's a, it's a spirit free Amaro essentially, right? You know, you've got sugar, you've got citric acid, you've got, you know, a bittering component, you've got a sweet component. Mm. So you've got all of these things right there. And you know, they usually cost less than some of the spirit. Yeah. I mean, we're certainly seeing that. Um, I don't want to say trend because hopefully it's here to stay with like the, the no proof or low proof and, um, cocktails. My wife's one of those folks that, I mean, she just doesn't have a, her body does not metabolize alcohol well. She'll be vomiting within two cocktails. So, but she likes to have a cocktail when we're together. So, you know, if we go to a tiki bar or anything, it's easy because, you know, juices and syrups all over the place. When you go to a, you know, kind of like a whiskey bar where everybody's drinking a Negroni, that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like every time I go to a whiskey bar, everybody is drinking a Negroni. Like, why aren't they drinking old fashions? But anyway, you know what I mean? Um, So it's a little bit harder for her to get a drink in those places, but yeah, Yeah. there's definitely been a big push on the no no proof. And I, I, I have to just think that lately it's because, you know, we've all been home for almost two years now, or at least, you know, we haven't been able to go to the bars, not necessarily home, but um, I know that I've hardly, I bet I haven't had 25 cocktails in the last year and a half, you know, I, I, and those 25 were mostly consumed in three different sessions, you yeah. know, right. Um, I, I feel like the, uh, the pandemic pushed me the opposite way. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's really, kind of a split. I really leaned into the alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, you well, know, you're writing a book. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, putting it all together. I mean, um, when I actually like did the, uh, you know, Hey, we're going to make this, we're mm-hmm. going to, you know, mm-hmm. design, um, you know, and got it ordered. Uh, I ordered 2000 books just to like, Hey, cool. This is where we're going to start. And, uh, it showed up, it was 92 boxes, uh, oh delivered by UPS. Uh, I they loved you. Uh, yeah, it was like, it was like, uh, actually the guy was super happy. He's like, I got two stops today, man. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm going to be done by noon. Um, but yeah, it was like, you know, um, 
all of these processes of like, you know, I, I've always quoted like, I feel like uh, writing this book and doing everything myself has, it's like, it's like opening a bar, but mm. you have no support staff. You know? <laughs> right. you're, you're the, you know, you're the owner, you're the bar back, you're, uh, you know, working the door, you're doing just everything on your own. And, you know, especially uh, having it be my first published book, right. it's like, okay, where do I start? You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, a lot of, early mornings and coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, just not only not knowing where to start, but yeah. you know, you don't want to like fall on your face the first time out either. Um, you know, you, know, you got something to prove. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that has, uh, warmed my heart, if you will, is, um, you know, the, when I sent, uh, sent the book out to, um, Paul Clark and was like, I had met him before and was like, Hey, do you mind? You know, I was. It's, I, I felt Clark, like I felt the, uh, the editor, editor of, of Imbibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see and you, got like, a, you got a blurb from him on yeah, the back, which is super was, cool. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, uh, once it was all said and done and put together, I was like, all right. You know, thinking to myself, you know, now was now I've got to sell all these books and mm-hmm. do PR and you know, thinking of ways to. You know, nobody knows who I am. Right. How do I? How do I get? You Cut know, how do I? That. How do I legitimize? Um, and uh, you know, he took a couple weeks and got back. And the first, uh, the first line of his email back to me was, "I love this book." And it Super. was like all that weight of like, is this even mm-hmm. fucking good? Yeah, like, right. what have what have I been spending three years on? Mm-hmm. You know, is this like? Um, you know, it's nice to have that uh, that affirmation of like, okay, uh, I didn't just you know somebody that actually knows how to write uh, and right. is a great editor and um, you know comes back and is like, this is great. It's like you know, uh, it's a great uh, angle to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I love that you did because I mean. I, with me personally in your book in particular, like you and I have chatted a few times over the last several years. So as you were writing this book, but like when I'm out there, like checking out cocktail books, um, I always flip to the blurb on the back, right? Like it's not called a blurb. What's it called? Uh, Blurb. Yeah. Oh, it is called. Okay. But you know, from other people that have like, you know, they got early access to the book and wrote something on the back. And if that's like somebody I really respect, I'm like, okay, well, if they're saying good things about it, I'm going to snag a copy of this book. So like me, I, flipping this book around, if I saw Paul Clark on there, I'd be like, oh, well, shit, yeah, he's like the editor of Imbibe. Like, yeah. It's got to be legit. And so, I like, those sorts of things, I mean, they really do help out a lot. Like, if you're an author out there, like, write it well and send it to some of your idols because they might say something very cool about you, and that means I'll buy it. And it's the end of the game. You have to sell this stuff or you can't get to do another one. And that, uh, again, that goes back to just uh, reach out to people, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. you don't be afraid to, you know uh, – to put yourself out there and, and, you know, the worst that somebody could say is no, um, right, early right. on, uh, early on in this process, um, I got to know when I was in Charleston and, uh, I got to know, uh, Matt Lee of the Lee brothers mm-hmm. and, uh, he was super happy to like help. And, you know, just any, any question that I had in the publishing game, I was able to just like ask him and he would kick back an answer and it would be great because I was like, okay, cool. Now I know. Um, but he was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I sent, I, you know, I sent a, a couple inquiries, like emails to people. Um, when, how, how long should I wait to follow up to try and like right. get something done? And he's like, here's what you do. You just send the same email. <laughs> they act like they never got the first one. You act like, you know, Hey, this is still my question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just gloss over the fact that you, you know, didn't, uh, didn't get a response on the first one. Hopefully right. they respond to the exact same email the second time. Yeah. And, uh, I did it with, uh, somebody that I was talking to and it worked. And I was oh, like, fantastic. Oh yeah. Just, we'll just pass over the fact that uh, sure. I ignored you for a while, but, uh, um, yeah, right. you know. at the end of the day, you kind of get the job done. Yeah. When did the book come out? Uh, I actually, it was May 28th, May 28th. this year. So just a couple of months ago, um, how have sales been? I mean, is that something you have to monitor yourself with um, being self-published and all um, that? So, yeah, I, mean, I guess you're shipping um, things out yourself, aren't you? Uh, I am um, through the <laughs> through crazy. the through the power of uh, you know um, the self-publishing platforms now. Um, oh, that's cool. It's all so that's all hands off, and then oh, you good. you know you get a check 120 days after somebody orders it from Amazon right, or right. wherever. Um, you know, uh, one dollar and nineteen cents. Um, yeah, I mean <laughs> it's 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 crazy, but you know um, the 
you've got to be in bed with all the, the, sure. the Amazon stuff and oh, the companies. Yeah. And yeah. so um, online it's available anywhere. Um, but uh, what I always tell people, and um, I've heard um, I've heard Souther say this too, is uh, if you're going to buy the book of somebody's, like go to their website, see if they yeah. have it for sale um, and, you know, support that person directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so can't, can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been preaching that as well. Like definitely always check direct on anything, you know, um, bands have really gotten ravaged. Musicians have just gotten killed during the last, you know, almost two years now and venues are just now starting to open up. So like a lot of them have turned to merch, a lot of restaurants and bars too. I mean, here at the Inferno room, we were shipping out mugs and things that we had not shipped prior, right. um, for due to breakage and stuff, but it's like, we needed to have some sort of, you know, line to keep the doors open. But, um, you know, speaking of, um, you know, kind of the book tour that you're doing, have you have you heard back from anybody that's like super cool, like somebody that you just super respect that you didn't know that they got the book, but they've read it and like hit you up like, hey, thanks. That was a fantastic book. Um, Yeah. How about Nick Oconus? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I've gotten, you know, uh, I've gotten all good feedback, you know, um, kind of like doing this, uh, you know, I've done a couple different, you know, keep it Midwest because, you know, books are expensive to ship. So, um, just driving around and, you know, doing some, some cool pop-ups with some cool people. And, um, you know, that's kind of my other sort of, you know, do my best to, uh, get the, my my personal PR machine going mm-hmm. is like, you right. know, letting newspapers and, you know, things like that, um, know that, Hey, I'm, I wrote this book, but I'm doing an event in town that is, you know, going to be cool and, um, yeah. you know, get people out to the event, sell books and also, you know, Hey, they might not be able to make it to, to the pop-up, but you know, they've seen my name. They, they know the book exists now if they read it. Right, um, right. and so that's sort of been the, the hustle, you know, as, mm-hmm. of, as of late, um, has it been strange having people ask you to sign their books, you know, that kind of, like uh, you said, like nobody bartender from Avondale bowl. And it's like, <laughs> now you're autographing books. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, the, the, First, like, um, like book, we did the book release, like the book launch at, uh, where I work at Avondale Bowl. And, um, it's hard to come up with original things to write in people's books. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I've got a, I've, I've developed like a few go tos, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like, I, I had to practice signing my name for a while because I was like, how am I, like, yeah. The, like the first book, I was like, "How does my name look signed?" So I was like, I like went to a piece of paper and I was like, "Is that how I sign my name?" Like, <laughs> like, um, and well, not other- to mention you don't think about like economy of motion with your signature. You think about it at work all the time. Like, you don't want to waste any movement if you're gonna have to do that thing yeah. a thousand times a night. But when you're writing your name, you usually don't have to write it a thousand times. And then this time, yeah, yeah. your handle cramp up. You well, got some funny crossing of T's and stuff. And it's like, it's like doing something, but then actually like consciously thinking about like, I mean, I've signed my right. name, th- you know, yeah. hundreds of thousands of times, but it's like, okay, now I have to actually do this. Like think about the mm-hmm. fact that I'm signing my name and it's like, I can't do it now that I'm thinking about it. Like, <laughs> what the freak. hell? Deer in headlights. Uh, the I'm other frozen. Well, the, the one thing that's, uh, that's been great. Uh, I'm, uh, I, think we were talking about this i'm terrible with names i'm absolutely mm-hmm. awful um and so everybody that gets the book i just because i'm also awful also uh, also awful at uh spelling people's names because mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. ridiculous spellings so it's a good right. way to like remind myself people's names like okay can you just yeah just spell your name because uh the, oh, one, of the right. one of the first books, great trick one of the first books that i signed i spelled this girl's name completely wrong Ouch. and i was like not going to make that mistake again. Let me get you another book. <laughs> right. At and least like, you've got another stack. Spe- yeah. Spell it slowly. And, uh, <laughs> so it's a, that's, that's my trick for, you know, my, my shit memory of, you know, people's names. I just kind of have your autograph copies ended up on eBay yet. <laughs> uh, not There's that always somebody, somebody trying to hustle something. <laughs> I remember, I think we were open at the Inferno room, like less than a week before we started seeing our mugs on eBay at five times the price you could buy it in person. Uh, yeah. So I, if I remember right, I believe that Chris just went ahead and, and put up a listing for the same mug at retail. What we retail. Yeah. I was like, man, screw you. You're not going to make $400 on our mug. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, that was, uh, so, uh, when we were, uh, just in uh, St. Louis, we did, um, a pop-up at, uh, Ted, uh, Kilgore's, uh, sister restaurant, small change. Um, and, but we stopped into planner's house, uh, the couple nights before just say hi and yeah. check that place out. And, uh, it's a cool place. Yeah. He was talking about, um, 
all the, you know, all the bottles that they've gotten that are, uh, that are private, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're labeled cask. And he's like, yeah, like people get a, somehow get a hold of them. Like, he's like, I think he used to sell them like mm-hmm. retail to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, now, you know, these bottles that have our label on it are going up on whiskey exchange for yeah. $400. And he's Crazy. like, I was like, yeah, just put them up yourself for $400. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I know um, Richard seal with Foursquare. you know, he's called out people gouging like that numerous times, you yeah. know, cause people attack him for it. People yeah. don't realize that where that pricing comes from. They're like, Oh, this distiller thinks he's so great. You know, he wants $400 a bottle and then he'll get online. Like, no, I don't Nope. I want it. I, I asked 70, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> they're asking 400. So, I mean, it's a super book. Man, we could talk all day, but uh, I can't talk all day because we're getting ready to do an event together here tonight at the Inferno Room. Um, But speaking of buying the book direct, um, is it available at somethingandtonic.com? That is correct. Yep. So, and that's and spelled out. So, something and tonic. I don't even, can you even put an ampersand in it? Uh, it, it, That's a good question. I don't even know. I haven't tried. But yeah, don't. (laughs) But I mean, you you can find it. Um, just do keep in mind when you're searching for Nick Okonos, there are two of them. Yes. Um, the less wealthy one would be the gentleman at the table with me. <laughs> right. Uh, make a little bit less money between owning a linea and writing a book on tonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's I, a disparity. I, I've, I've definitely had a few people reach out because of my name and be like, oh, yeah, you know me from this and this. And it's like, uh, no, I've different one, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it is, it's, a, it's a unique enough name and you being from Chicago that it's an easy assumption to make. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, he's industry. Well, His name's Nick O'Connor. He's from Chicago. It's got to be the guy that we know. And I mean, I've met Nick uh, a couple times and yeah. he's a nice guy, you know. But it's like, you know, it's also like Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson. Right, you know? right, like, right, right. And that's why I was wondering how, how common of a name it is. Um, so, I mean, what's next? And I, again, bringing Camper back into the mix. You know, I know that when he finished his book, that was just the kind of tip of the iceberg. It really got his blood flowing. Are you going to kind of stick in this vein for your next book, or are you going to switch gears? Because usually, once you get one published, the appetite is there. Like, yeah. are you ready? Um, are you an author now? I, um, I'm. I, it's definitely you know um, started the fire. So, in mm, um, also just not just uh, you know the nonfiction and um, you know alcohol route um but in kind of like oh, a, very cool. a bunch of different things um you know kind of got those uh, creative juices flowing so um right now just you know trying to sell this one and you know work on some some other projects and you know it's been uh i think with the pandemic we've all been you know, it's gone so slow and mm-hmm. so fast right. and you know we're all just kind of, you know, move moving without going anywhere. So, yeah, we're um, moving without intention. You're just kind yeah. of treading water every day and just trying to get through the day so you can get through tomorrow. And you, there's nothing tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> you know. Then, yeah. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing on the immediate horizon. But yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the wheels, the wheels, the doors are, are open. The, the doors and, are open. The wheels are churning. Well, and you know, number two should be a little bit easier after you kind of know a little bit on the inside and how to how to kind of navigate right. the minutia of getting a book published. And yeah, and, you know, so I mean, how are you close to sellout on this book yet? I mean, it's only been a few months, uh, um, but it does sound like you're flying through quite a lot of them. Uh, it's it's been going well. The pop ups the pop ups have been a, a great tool to you know it, it's. The intention is like, you know, like you said, a lot of people buy cocktail books and they don't actually make their mm-hmm. make the recipes are there for like history and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the book itself is for uh, everybody. I try to keep it a little bit lighter in the history, even mm-hmm. though it's like it's intense, but it's not exhaustive. Right. Um, and it's not an academic paper. Uh, yeah. And uh, taking that idea and, um, you know, having people come in and be able to actually try the cocktails and yes. follow along in the book. Um, now that's I'm, the part of it. I do love, I do love book pop-ups because yeah, I mean, I don't keep a lot of booze at home. I mean, well, I keep a lot of booze at home. I don't keep a lot of <laughs> mixers at home, so I don't really right. mix cocktails at home. I just drink everything neat. And you know, people that have home bars, they don't have these deep back bars like we do. Right. And so to be able to like come do an event like you're doing, you know, right. in your little kind of book tour, it's cool because you can try four or five of them. They have, you know, you would have to buy 18 bottles of stuff exactly. to, to kind of taste those. And that's it's one of the, I mean, that's why bars are great in general, but particularly with something special, uh, you know, with like this book. Yeah. So you're moving a lot of books during the, during the signings. Oh, you you yeah. have more. So we've got Indianapolis, 
tonight, which by the time this episode airs, it'll be done with. And it was fantastic. We had a great time, sold lots of books. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where, where's coming up? Where, where you leave after you leave Indianapolis? I mean, are you going back home for a little uh, while? Yeah, we're going, going back to Chicago, um, you know, and then it's kind of uh, plan plan the next route, you know. Um, not yeah, really we were sure. easy because it's so close. Yeah, right? um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's easy with the Midwest stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm think just again it's you know it's planning and figuring out you know because you go into places um you know like we did casey st louis and now we're here but um finding the right bar like you know we've 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 done pop-ups that are super awesome um we get a bunch of press we sell a bunch of books and then we do ones where uh it sounds good on paper but then you get to the bar and you're like this one isn't going to work out, you know, <laughs> um, which, you know, it's hit or miss. And right, I, yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've talked to, to, I've talked to plenty of people that say the same thing. It's like mm-hmm. some of the events mm-hmm. that you're like, this is going to be awesome. Nobody really shows up to. And then like some that you're like, I don't know about this turn out to be some of the best events that you, right. you know, that you right. do. So, um, you know, it's hit or miss. It's, it's, and that's a fun part of the industry is, you know, that everybody works in all sorts of corners of life between dive bars, fancy hotel bars, et cetera. So you're going to have fun at any location if everybody turns out. So it's really kind of getting those connections. And, um, you know, before we wrap up here today, you know, feel free folks, if you've got a bar or you're looking to, um, do an event with Nick, you know, you can reach out through me or you can get him directly at something in tonic.com. Is yeah. that right? And, yep. um, to, to, to get him out to, I'm sure that there's a West coast tour impending, uh, which I know, you know, being in the Midwest, that's always the hardest because uh, like, you just have to pass over a lot of section in the middle of the country yeah. if you specifically want to do a West Coast. But right. once you're there, it's easy. You know? Yeah, then it's, it's like going to Europe, right? It's yeah. like nine hours to get there, but once you're there, everything's an hour away. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's um, a Midwest thing, right? I was told that recently. It's a Midwest thing that we measure everything in time. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, no, it's three hours away or five hours away. It's like we that, don't I mean, talk that, about the mileage or the kilometers. It's just yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that. I didn't think like, so either. But somebody told oh, me it's, it's like, very it's, Midwest. It's, you know, it's an hour, you know, <laughs> right. it's like coming from Chicago, uh, you know, especially um, just driving and traffic and all that, you know, crap. Right. It's right. like uh, it either takes 15 minutes to get there or mm-hmm. like an hour and a half. Well, yeah, and that's what's really <laughs> so. important, particularly in, in cities like that, you know, yeah. is because you have to measure in time because of the traffic, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, mileage wise, Chicago shouldn't take me three hours to get there. But, right. you know, once you hit the Dan Ryan, you're like, eh, yeah, all right, well, all right. we're parked here for the next hour. <laughs> full, you know? full stop. Here we go. Right. Uh, you know, it's I don't know, man. Like, it's just it's so strange how and maybe you get this uh, in the, again off topic. But people that have just moved to the Midwest from wherever, you know, out west, east, whatever, another country, because I work with a lot of people from another country. And, you know, everybody's heard of Chicago and then they have no idea. Even a lot of Americans have no idea how close Indianapolis and Chicago are. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to go up to Chicago and have dinner and come back. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. yeah, it's not that far. How far do you think it is? You yeah. know, do you get that from people in Chicago? Oftentimes don't realize how close they are to us. Yeah. You know, when um, I'm up in the bar saying, yeah, oh. it's um, we were so. uh uh, my girlfriend and I were supposed to, her birthday is March 15th. Uh, we were planning on coming down to Indy right before, uh, uh, the pandemic announcement happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposed mm-hmm. to come down here and see, uh, Erica Badu and common in oh, concert, yeah. uh, super excited about show. it. And then, uh, yeah, they canceled it two yeah. days ahead of time. And it was like, oh, they did cancel yeah, it. They canceled. No, I guess I didn't realize uh, I'm that sorry, everything, everything is still postponed because right. Right. Um, Cause that way they don't have to give you a refund. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was like, uh, okay, this is postponed indefinitely. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, because we've already spent your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And understandable, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, somebody was raising a hissy fit about, uh, I went to go see Primus a couple of weeks ago. And mm. it was, it's like been rescheduled nice. once or twice. I don't know. But it's been, um, it was the same kind of situation. Somebody there was having a fit that they had to like go out on a day they usually don't like to because it was like a weeknight. It's yeah. perfect for me. <laughs> you know, like, it was like, oh, super. I like, can't go on the weekends. Yeah. But. Yeah, it is definitely, um, it, it's easy to get down here. And, you know, whenever I go drinking in Chicago, you inevitably will end up in someone's bar that's, you know, used to live two blocks from me or, you yeah. know, 10 minutes. Like, I mean, that's how I met uh, Jay Schrader at, you know, from, yep. uh, well, Logan Square, right? yeah. inside your neighborhood. But, um, I mean, he's grew up not far from here where we are right now. So, okay. um, and speaking of books, I mean, he's got a pretty cool one as well. So it's like, it's really great to be able to go up and connect with all you guys that have so many irons in the fire and it's like, kick-ass city and 
I still love the Midwest, you know? Yeah. I prefer the Midwest over any other city I think I've been in, maybe with the exception of Rome, you know, but Rome's not on the charts to like be moving to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, as we wrap up, you want to give your uh, website again or social media, all these things, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so somethingandtonic.com uh, and spelled out there. Um, my Instagram is at somethingandtonic, um, very on brand. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, you got lucky that you got that. I would have think that would have been taken. Taken. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, um, I mean... I avoided social media for so long and then it was like the book idea and I was like, mm. oh, you know, like let's... Uh, yeah, you have to snag it. Like, as, yeah, as soon as I had the idea, you know, the book was, uh, you know, two sentences in and I'm like, is something in tonic.com available? <laughs> right, yeah. Because <laughs> that's all, I mean, these days that's worth changing the name of something because, you know, there's so much confusion or, you know, you have uh, older folks that don't necessarily know how to use the internet well. Yeah. Like my dad is, he thinks Google is the website and that is the internet. So he'll be like... <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've, well, I can, I can four times uh, we've opened a restaurant <laughs> and my dad's like, you know, you're not on Google. I'm like, yes, yeah, I am dad. I punched it in your website. You don't have a website. I'm like, I, I do that. I do. I do, I do have a website. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's funny, yeah. but I mean, there's, there's definitely, you know, a split between the generations there. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I, it's I, been a long yeah. time coming. I know we've been yeah. talking about this for a while, but hopefully um, everybody's, you know, Staying well enough to be able to make it out tonight. If not, you know, then we'll have a low turnout. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, we've gotten a lot of really positive uh, reception to this, you know, during the week. So yeah. um, we've got a bar set up for you. Um, again, Nick, thanks for coming on the show, man. Everybody find us on social media here at uh, Shift Drink Podcast. I've been a little bit more active on Twitter lately. Not too much. You primarily find us on uh, Instagram. And, of course, I always keep our website updated as well with the current uh, uh, show notes and uh, photos of, of our guests. So, until next time, man, I can't uh, wait to have some drinks. Let's go, let's go grab some. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.